Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. And welcome to Vicker Street. Please put your hands together and raise the roof for the biggest podcast in Ireland. This is Talking Bollocks Live with Terence Power and Calvin O'Brien. Is fucking jammers. <laughs> like a load of sardines down there, you say, what the fuck? Come here. I heard Tom O'Carty got a ticket for this. Anyone see him? Where is he? Lunchbox head. You got a box on me. <laughs> oh, stop. I'd want to stop starting on people, wouldn't I? I'd get myself broke up. Right. As we were all the shows, we'd like to find out where the crowd is from. Do we have any coaches in the house? Where is from? Mead. Mead? You're only down the road, you fuck off. <laughs> Who else shouted there? Where are you from? Good luck. Someone said scaries. Fucking lights are always down the dirty, I swear to God. Come here. Come here. Quick one. How do we look? <laughs> Shout out to Tiffany's as always for looking after us. Hey, the stockings again. <laughs> You're not going to pull them up now? We already showed them. Let's start there, my own noise one. Yeah, sound. Come here. It's good to be back. We nearly didn't make it to the first one, actually. We have a little story for you today. I can't fill them in. So, true story, yeah. The last one was June 19th. I took a banger that morning, took a heart attack, genuinely. Legit. I don't know why he's laughing. It's actually a very serious story. <laughs> so, I woke up that morning, it was a Sunday morning, and I was mad nervous, and I said, fuck it, I'll go to the gym, do a bit, get rid of this energy, and it'll be fresh, ready to rock. So, I put my headphones on, go down to the gym. For some reason, it was closed. So, I was like, fuck it, I'll go for a run. So, I put a phone on shovel, off I went. On the way back, little 5k, got to about 4.97 meters. Boom! Chest caves in. And I was like, what the fuck is going on? So I tried to take a deep breath and I couldn't. And I was like, oh, what's going on here? And that song came on in my headphones, uh, Smash Mouth, uh, All Star. Do you know that one? Somebody once told me. And I swear to God, I dropped down like that and I said, me bollocks, I'm not going out to that song. And I paused it. <laughs> And I dropped down to my knees and I tried to take a deep breath and I couldn't. And I was like, I actually might kill over here. I'm right outside the gaff, which is the worst part. So I go upstairs, I'm said it to me board and she's like, what's wrong with you? And I'm lying on the ground. I was like, I actually can't breathe. Like, I just can't breathe. So Terrence rings me. He's like, you all right, bro? I was like, no, I actually took a banger, Terry. I was the lawyer. <laughs> Not that he was taking a banger. Cause I don't like coming on here. There'll be like a bag of water walking in here. They'll be nerves. Oh, I'm rattling standing here. So Terry was like, look, bro, we'll pull the plug if you want. And I goes, I'll go to the doctor and we'll see what happens there. So the producers ring me and they're like, how's things, you all right? I was like, no, I'm in uh, the Swift Clinic in Santry waiting on an ECG. And they're like, ah, I was like, I'm not joking. Like. And they're like, why have you got a mask on? I was like, I'm in the fucking doctor's here, look. So uh, the doctor goes, nothing we can do for you. You're going to have to go to the matter. And I goes, me bollocks, I'm going to matter. So I showed up and the boys were like, look, it's not too late to pull the plug. And the first thing I thought of is, I'm not letting everybody down. Yeah. And the second thing is, if I had it gone to Matta, I'd still be there now waiting. <laughs> right. So what's been happening since the last time we've seen you? 
We were voted for two podcast nominations. The, the best comedy podcast in the country. And the best moment of the year. What's this? They're better be 50 yeah, quid, isn't it? Some neck coming up in front of everyone and giving them an empty card. Dead right. If there's no money in you can keep it, love, yeah? And don't be flirting, cos you know we'll do a nixer. Now, genuinely, we got nominated for another award as well. We were at the JMAs. Yeah, we're uh, all the crime journalists and Terence's new best mate, Nicola Talent. I was flirting the gaff down. She's a little smooth, you know? Not a point. But, uh, no, that was mad because when we got in there, they fucked up the tables. So it was supposed to be Terence and our producer, our own. But whatever way they got it mixed up, Owen had to sit away from us. So they put us out of the table with the head of RTE and the head of Prime Time. So Owen's nerves were gone. You want to see him, he was sweating. He said, Titan's power beside the head of RTE investigates was snookered. But all was going well. We were having the chats with him. They seen us chatting to Nicola. They were like, them boys must have a bit about them. And he goes, we're going for a few drinks after that. And we were like, yeah, that sounds like a plan. Like, us two were all these heads going for a drink. Yeah. Well, it was a good plan until we realised there was a bit of an issue. I was barred. <laughs> Honestly. So, just remember, a couple of weeks ago I told a story on the podcast, probably all didn't hear it, but I got barred from a pub for no reason, yeah? But if you want to find out how to get unbarred from a pub, you rock up in a three-piece with Nicola Talent on your list. <laughs> or men walked in and the nip girl up out of that. But uh, what else been happening? You've stopped starting on people. I have, yeah. I took up MMA, I'm all zen now. I'm going around bound to people and all. It's fucking great. It took a while to get used to though. So the first week Terrence started training, he came into the podcast studio and he was double-legging like everybody, ankle-picking the producers and all. It was great. But then they started taking up MMA to defend the takedown. So now every time we go up to do a podcast, it's like here if Dan comes in and the lads have a little straightener before the kickoff. They're all animals now, all the producers. They're black belts. Like Betty Woods, black belt and making coddles. Where are you, love? Where is she? I can't see her. Betty, where are you? That's me, Auntie Betty down there. Lunatic, that thing. Lunatic. So, yeah, I don't start on people anymore, yeah? Well, you coined it. That was that time you accidentally started on somebody. Oh. Right. <laughs> now, well, so you know why I'm the unluckiest person in the world, yeah? I went to Benidorm, ended up in Valencia. <laughs> went to Forbidden Fruit, fell down that hill. Some bloke started me, I kicked the pot and fell, me talked the whole... Yeah. You just get it, you just get the gist where I'm going at, yeah? So, one of the days, me and our producer, Darden Clearly, were out having a bit of lunch, conducting big, big business, yeah? You went to meet Darden on a random Tuesday for lunch. <laughs> it's for dramatic effect. So I'm sitting there, I'm having a chat the whole lot. No, even Johnny Blue puffing on the thing, yeah? Boom, flicks it, yeah? Goes up into the air. This was like slow motion, I promise you. The wind takes it. There's a car coming down the road. The window's open that much. <laughs> Lands on some board's lap. She said, bollocks. She said, thank fuck that car's moving. Boom, red light. So I'm sitting there and I didn't know what to do, so I panicked. I was like, Jesus, sorry, love, the whole lot. And she just blade stared at me, so I was like, what the fuck do I do? So I just kept saying, sorry. Anyways, the whole point of the story is I panicked, I legged it. I got roped into signing a two-year contract to go loud anyways. I had to say sorry to Carl. But in fairness to us, we've actually never told you a lie on this podcast. Every single story we told you is true. We told you Kilia was on the podcast. No one at believed the last us. One. None of you believed us. Yeah. I got nicked that time. No one believed it. Yeah. We took mushrooms and went to the Matrix. No one believed it. I was in a fucking plane crash. No one believed it. <laughs> Do you want to do a few singles? Actually, before we get started, this is usually the part of the show where we do something with the audience, a bit of participation. So the first show, we planted the people. We had Doc, who was a good friend of ours, and we had Laura, who was 12 months pregnant at the time, and we didn't know. 12 months pregnant? Yeah. Yeah, what about the longest pregnancy I've ever heard. He must have been putting his jocks back on and he was telling people she was pregnant. <laughs> but we brought them up for the game of Pats and they couldn't hear the Pat, they were this close to each other, so we fucked it. So we said, right, on the next one, 
Well, they were uh, a quiz with the biggest fans of the podcast, and that won't fail. I called her on board up. She didn't know where she was, let alone what the name of me fucking dog was. She was getting up to go for a piss, and we thought she was getting up to come on the stage. We dragged her up by the head. Get up there, you mad cult, yeah. We got in there a few zingers anyways, yeah, Teddy? Will we, yeah? Go ahead, you walk away. You go first, I'll let you. Yeah. <laughs> right, so, who was at the last live show? Yeah. Who's listened to the last live show? Yeah. Who seen the clip of the last live show? Yeah. That yoke? Animal. <laughs> so we have a little zinger. I don't want to do it. No? Do you want me to hit them with a fire? Who went home and done reverse cowgirl? Stand up! Stand up! Yes! Yes! Mate, you're bored of standing up and you're sitting down. What's going on there? She's wishing with her hobby nerves. Actually, after the last live show, my nana pulled Jenny King backstage and says, I'll teach you a thing or two. And that's a true story. Stop, right, I have another one. So we played Sweet Caroline before we come on to get the crowd going, right? But there's one thing we know was at the last live show and we told everyone backstage to listen out. So in the chorus, in the build-up, do you say, so good, so good, so good, or I don't believe you're making her up? Told you. Yeah, well, I was 50 quid. Right, I have a singer for you. Yeah, just a quick one for you, yeah? I go straight, do you believe in go? Stand up if you do. Oh, my man. That's a lot of people. Do you know what? At the last live show, if we'd done that for a zinger, I'd want all you stuck out. Because oh. that's childish. But now I want everyone else stuck out for not believing. <laughs> and we always have this little classic one as well, yeah? Just to spot the lawyers. Who pisses in the shower? Stand up if you do, stand yes, up. Bro. Yes, bro. What's the lawyers? Lawyers! Lawyer! There's no shame. Right, just want to meet the first guest for tonight. Right, raise the roof, making his talking bollocks debut, Mr. Mark O'Neill. Oh, mate, it's gave me free gargle. <laughs> I didn't even plan. I've been walking in the morning. I've been walking in the morning. And you said to me, oh, yeah, here, get that into you, get that into you. And then six later, I'm here. He has your head like a bag of spiders. One too many, Mark, one too many. We heard a little room about you. You used to be a stripper. All right, so first off, right, I've gotten further than I can with my looks and intelligence. So I remember I was in the army for a long time, and uh, I remember being like, I was 14, and uh, I used to do the bottle bins in the Towers pub in Ballymun. Yuppa. You didn't even know this. So I saw these, like, think about this, I'm 14, the only thing I cared about is little Mark. And, um, and he put it, it's still little Mark. which you've all seen on telly. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, I can't even brag, because it's not true. But, um, so I, as I said, I used to do the bottle bins, and on Mother's Day, they had like strippers in, and I remember your man goes, look, the girl that was supposed to show up for doing, like, lounge girl didn't show up. Can you want to go up? And I was like, fuck that, I'm not going up. But I went up, and I saw these lads, literally, they were in tatters, and boards were literally, <laughs> So I went up to the manager. He says, yeah, come back to me when you're 18. And I did. And I fucking did. I think it was like, it was like, it was your birthday, actually, I came back to them back in the day. It was the 19th of August, the day after my birthday. I was like, what's up? I'm back. And uh, yeah, I, then I did Kiss of Grams, did stripping, traveled around Europe. I remember being in a place just like this with a big pole in the middle. All the lads are like, yeah, yeah, I've been there, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I did that, and then, you know, you know, you do you make more money from kissograms, which I think I've done probably half of people's 24s here, have I? <laughs> <laughs> 
So, have I? Yeah, yeah. How is it going? It's what I look like with clothes on. <laughs> um, so, yeah, so you, you do kissograms and you, know, you can do a load of them and you make mad money from it. And then, you know, the teddy, obviously, you put your price up and the whole lot. But in, 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 doll, in the dollhouse in Hamburg, like, we'd have like a whole stage, like, so, I think I've told this story before. Um, so, whoever wrote Magic Mike, which all the girls have seen, I know everyone is like, ah. Oh. <laughs> 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 oh, this is bleeding deadly. Shannon <laughs> Tate, me, such a good actor. <laughs> right, um, you know, so whoever wrote that literally was a stripper because in every group there is a guy that's a big fucker like Tarzan, like a big juice bag, like, fucking this. Then there's a good looking cunt that was obviously not me. And then you had a guy with a big Mickey, which we all know that's not me either. Uh, and, then, and then you have a guy that just sounds, right? <laughs> Ah, look at you. Ah, would you like to take him home to your ma? That was me, right? So, um, you know, you, 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 you travelled around, you did all these things, and girls that wouldn't even look at you normally were like, yeah, get them off, yeah. Mostly from Tala, but... Um, Actually, while we're on the topic, how would you get into California? Right. Why would you get into California? The five eggs per bloke per day, fella. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> oh. So, uh, yeah, I used to work for a company called Area 51, and he did, like, you know, did you ever hear of Teamed Nights? Like, see, you know, like, you have the Geordie Shore cast, and my job was to pick them up, bring them to their destination, drink with them, and, you know, wake up next morning, bring them to their, to their wherever they got, back to the, the airport. So I remember talking to Vicky, and then, uh, and I had, you know, one Charlotte. I actually almost brought Charlotte uh, Crosby, whatever her name is, to... Carmax rave in. I hope you didn't say home. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so uh, they, they, she was telling me, man, you know how much she made? She made like two and a half grand per pair, and she did one on the tours, they won on a Friday, they won on the Saturday. I was like, fuck me, seven and a half grand? Maybe as much as you boys make. I was like, fuck, this is great. <laughs> so she told me, you should really do it, you should do it. And I was like, yeah, fuck it. So I went for it and gave it a go, and uh, worst decision of my life. <laughs> so that was my follow up question, do you regret? Yeah, look, look, man, guys, as much as I'm joking up here and I'm having a laugh, it's more of nerves. Don't ever do fucking reality TV, because when, when you go for a real job, like when you go for a real job that actually pays the bills and doesn't give you like 250 quid. So you're sitting there anyway, and you know, you've answered all the questions, you know yourself, you know when you do an interview and you know, I fucking nailed that. And all of a sudden, they're smiling and you just know, they're looking at you going, I've seen your dick with tinfoil. <laughs> And you do, and it's, that's not a joke, that's a genuine thing. I do sit there and I'm like, I fucking know. They, they're looking at me, like, smiling, kind of go, hmm, hmm, yes, so, uh, hmm. So I feel like I was the first generation, or not even the first, maybe the second generation or something, of reality TV. And we thought we are going to be famous, we are going to make money, we are going to do all these things, it was going to be on forever, and it was going to be this great thing, but we've all watched enough movies to know if you stay doing this shit and have no backup plan, you have no money, right? And, and we, all, we all know that from watching movies, but... You, you still think, nah, that won't happen to me. And I know so many people that have done it, and when they've done it, they regret it. And as I said, you do, you're going for job interviews, and you're torn down. So thank God I had a backup plan, but the stripping was fucking deadly. <laughs> well, you're doing another bit of reality telly, and you said you probably say so you've done the hell week. Uh, you fucking won the thing. No, no, yeah, yeah, yeah. I did Big Brother Force, that saved me. I did Big Brother and I just, I am the unfunniest out of all my mates, so I am not the funny one. You know when you have a funny mate, I am not the funny one. So I just, I just kind of repeated half the shit the funny ones were saying on, on Big Brother. And all the English were like, he's fucking mad. I thought I was mad too. Uh, and then Hell Week, as I said, Hell Week was kind of something. I quit everything in 2015. I said, I'm never going to do TV again. I'm kind of looking, I need to focus on my career. You need to pay some bills, you know. If I pay, man, if I got paid still to do weird shit, I'd still be doing it, but you don't. So I did Hell Week kind of like as a, a comeback, kind of, kind of like a comeback special in a way. And I said, I'll do it and that's it. I'm never doing it again. And I just knew that on it, all the haters that I've had in my life, and I don't blame them, by the way. <laughs> you know what I mean? Mark, how was Hell Week? Was it tough? Uh, it, was, it was tougher than what you might think. We had an hour of sleep a night. One hour. That was it. One hour. I think at one time I came got an hour and 15 minutes. That was the best 15 minutes of my life. <laughs> I heard you done something very silly. Yeah? yeah. You called out John Connors to a boxing match. I did, yeah. So John Connors gives a glass one. And...
Folk California. Who owns you, Mark? Who owns you? Me board, me board. Yeah, me board does. Jesus, this is fucking packed. <laughs> up the inner city, you buy. Fair play. What's the story, John? How's things? What's the story, lads? It's good to see you. Yeah. Fucking hell, do you know what? This is uh, this is amazing to see, lads. Because I met both of you previously, and both of you impressed me. You're great fellas, and you're doing a great job. But you're inspiring a whole generation of working class people, and it's beautiful to see. Honestly, I'm very proud of you both. Great, great to be here. It's an honour to be here. So we told us earlier, yeah? yeah. Ghosts are fucking real. Yeah. Aren't they, John? Listen to me. Let me oh, tell you about these two lads, yeah? We land at the Hellfire Club, right? I did three laps up and back with fucking generators just to do the fucking shoot. So I'm bollocks when I get up there. Now, I'm afraid of my life of ghosts, but at this point, I don't give a shit if I see a ghost. I'm sweating to death taking a heart attack, right? <laughs> So the lads lands up and fair play to them. I think they, I think they lift a few curries for us, a few three and ones or something you lifted them. And they were like, we were like, oh yeah, we lifted them. What do you want, a fucking blue Peter badge? <laughs> I explained to the lads, here's the situation. We have all this technology to detect ghosts. And they're like, yeah, yeah. Listen, John, just to let you know, we don't believe in end this shit. I said, okay. Uh, and oh, yeah. Right, exactly what we said. I said, yeah. Grant, yeah, we don't believe in it. Grant, no matter. So we explain the different technology that we have that goes off and detects different things. And from a scientific lens, detects kinetic energy. And you see it come up, right? So anyway, these little things called a cat ball. So if someone touches someone touches it or an energy touches it, it goes off. The colours come out. Well, not only did this go off, it went six meters across the room to hit me. It's a the lads, oh, John, we want to get out of here now. Out, no, out. no, hold on. Oh, lads, listen, on. I have I'll, it on I'll camera. I have it on camera. No, oh, no, no, you're, you're on, not on. wrong. I'll give them her a bottle. I'll give them her a bottle. Go on. Right. So oh, what yeah. happened was we rocked up, right? We agreed to do this. And I was like, fucking right, I'm going to do this. I'm going to make John look like a tick. Ghosts are not real. So I think I was a bit more sceptical than Terence. So we walk in and I explain, and this, this camera detects that, and this detects that. And I was like, yeah, whatever, none of this show is going to work anyways. So they have these little balls, and the second you touch it, it goes off. So they're down on the ground, nothing's happening. So uh, they have a medium with them. And I was like, ah, oh, yeah, of course you We're not a large. Basically, yeah. So uh, I was like, of course you have a medium, of course she's talking to ghosts. And as she's talking to us, these lights are lighting up. And I was like, what's going on there? And your one's like, oh, they're lighting up, there's a ghost there. So Terrence starts going, oh. And I'm like, oh, of course we're going off the second we get here. But then I copped on, no one's actually recording this. So I was like, why are they going off? So then they all come in with the camera crew and they're like, what's that happening? This is the most activity we've had. And I was like, what is all on about? Like, pull the other leg, you know what I mean? Of course you're going to say this. So they're like, this is going off and that's going off and they can detect the ghost in that realm. And I was like, yeah, listen, if there's a ghost in this realm, move that fucking ball. And I put it down on the ground and I walked away and the thing lit up and rolled straight across the floor. At I swear to God, and straight away, see when we went in, they were showing us all the technology yeah. and all, and they showed us a Ouija board. I goes, get that Ouija board out, we're doing it now, I said. <laughs> Off the bat, I goes, I want to do then that Then he said, I'm never playing that Ouija board. The second that ball went across the floor, I was like, what time am I going to get dropped wrong. on? Don't get me wrong, don't get me wrong, I wasn't acting brave, because the ball came at you me. You were screaming like <laughs> a little girl. I jumped on top of Terrence's shoulders. He fucking did. He's out I back with both. And then the medium was there saying, oh, relax, lads. Don't tell me to relax, you're talking to ghosts. There's cat balls flying across the floor. John Connors is on me back like a skill bag. And you're telling me to relax. Oh, God. Listen. You know what? On a one-way flight, the mail. Get the hell out. I just want to say this. That is only literally the beginning when we walked yeah, in. That was when we I, don't wanna, I don't want to go into too much more, but it went way darker. Like, you've no yeah. idea. Yeah. That's just when it got where it was funny, scary. And then it got dark. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. You, you I put it, this way, it, was the, it was the only place, what I will say about the ending, it was the only place that our celebrity duos wouldn't stay overnight. Because no one would stay overnight there. I wouldn't personally stay overnight there. Calvin, do you believe in ghosts? Do you believe in ghosts now? I don't know what I actually You don't know what in. it is. You don't want to name but it a ghost. Something fucking happened. Yeah, and I, I'm telling you how straight you saw now. I was a skeptic. Yeah. I put the ball happen. down and the thing went, the ghost said to John, how's your touch and kicked it to him. Uh, <laughs> and they hear a wind. 
wind or something, or some fucker in a bleeding jumpsuit going. Aha! Nah, Mark. No. We weren't in on it. That's what we know people think that. Like, we, we were ready to call John now. That's if why John, I couldn't if, do it. If they were faking it, we would have said, lads, you was That's why I couldn't do it. I didn't believe in ghosts. But they, we did say that to you beforehand. We said, we're not going to act the bollocks. We're not going to scream for the laugh and all. Yeah. So shit went down. Yeah. John, Great one there. You've been in some of the most iconic stuff on Irish telly, yeah? Love, hey. Yeah. What was that like? Yeah, love, hate. Um, yeah, great experience. Not a fun experience, because, you know, like, in, for instance, in Hollywood, if you do a film, you do maybe a half a page to one page a day. So, like, you have, a, you have fuck all to do in a day, like, so you can learn the lines five minutes before you go on. So when I always see someone win an Oscar, I wonder how many pages they do a day. That's what an, act, that's what an actor does, because on love, hate, we'd be doing, like, 14 pages a day. So I'd be running from one scene, getting dressed for the next scene, so you're never getting a chance to actually go, oh, this is deadly. You know what I mean? But the final product, and you see it out there, and you see how, like, how the country reacts to it, that was a real buzz in itself, because it really hit the culture in a big way. And I always say this, I'm from Darndale, right? Every Sunday... You up to Darndale? Every Sunday night, right? Every Sunday night, the whole of Darndale will be empty, because Love Hay was on, and I always said, if you just met a million ep episodes a season, There'd be peace in Darndale and no antisocial behaviour. <laughs> you know what I mean? Bring, bring back a million episodes. Speaking of Darndale, when Love Hate just finished, John, I was actually in a gaff party in Darndale and it was your gaff. But you weren't there. I was there as well. He wasn't there. No, I was at his gaff party before. What was that all about? How are you having gaff parties and you weren't in the gaff? You see, let me tell you a little story. <laughs> so with cardboard gangsters, right, myself and them and all the actors lived in my house for seven weeks together. And when I moved into Darndale originally, we had a thousand noise complaints in a couple of months and we didn't make any noises because the neighbours didn't want Travers in the cully sack, right? So I remember, but now that wasn't all the neighbours, some of the neighbours were gorgeous, but, but some just didn't like us, right? Like literally gorgeous as well, big asses, big tits, all that. <laughs> You know, and then, oh, and then, like, with the soul as well and all that, right? And there were some of them were old and lovely and all that and all that. Yeah, whatever. But anyway, I'm like an elephant. I'm the same size and I never forget. So when we were doing Carbo Gangsters, I remember that and I said, you know what? My mother was giving up the house. And I said to my mother, I said, let me just keep it for a few months so me and all the actors can live together. And she said, no, about her son. And she moved back into the camp. So I set up full reign in this house. So they're going to turn this scalp into fucking a beat Right? So... So I got a five-amp speaker of my cousin, and I blasted that 24-7. And they couldn't sleep. The children were crying and all. And they were saying, John, please, the children. And I said, you weren't saying the children when you were calling your Wi-Fi knacker neighbor Wi-Fi now, were you? <laughs> and hey. <laughs> and, and all you had to do was when the guards come, because they'll only come to Darndale once. So when, they would, so when they come at like midnight, you just go, oh, sorry, guard, I didn't realize. And then you have like nine hours of just unadulterated fun and debauchery. <laughs> so anyway, it went really dark after the shoot. I should have stopped, but I kept it going to Christmas. And by the end of it all, I said, basically, I need rehab. <laughs> and uh, yeah, and I left it off for a while. So I, the point of that is, I get my revenge. Love to hear it. When we were up with you, down to sleeping with the entity, you were talking to us about how you used to do boxing. Yeah. And how you felt like the constant headaches and the concussion. Yeah. Is that why you stopped boxing? It isn't exactly, but yeah, just to go back to that, I, I realised that I had, like, headaches for two years solid, but I didn't know until I got an injury. I stopped boxing for three months, and all of a sudden, my head felt great. And I realised that I had a fucking headache for about two years and just getting concussions. Because I came up in the last generation of old school boxers who did 15, 20 rounds of needless sparring without head guards and 12 ounce gloves or 10 ounce gloves. So that was definitely a wake up call because I always appreciated my brain. But then really what got me out of boxing was I just got into a rut at a certain age, 18, 19, 20, got into a depression, trauma comes back to collect if you don't solve it and all that stuff. And then I found myself in like the pits of hell when my brother Joe reached out to me and he said, John, you need to find a purpose, a new meaning, because boxing is not it anymore and you've lost your dedication. And he was afraid I was going to kill myself, and I genuinely was. So he reached out to me and he said, look, I'm not going to leave this room. I was in the box room in Darndale. He said, I'm not going to leave it, John, until you say you're going to do something else. And I said, okay. And he said, look, are you going to kill yourself? And I said, no, but he gave me an indication and said, 
kind of yeah, gesturally. And he said, John, we can't afford to fucking bury you, man. <laughs> like he was genuinely worried about the shame. Like he deal with the debt, but the shame of not being, especially travelers were real proud. Like we need to afford heavy, you know what I mean? So I said, okay, I won't put that burden on you, I guess. But anyway, we Googled acting classes Dublin and I, I, I was talking to the woman on the other end, uh, Kathleen Warner Yates, and she said, well, there's an adult for fun class for actors who never acted. And I said, I need something else because I'm like, I'm depressed and you're talking about adult for fun. And it sounded like shitty. And I knew I needed to express something. I knew I needed a life jacket. So I said, what else you got? She said, an intensive acting course. And I said, I'll sign up to that. So I basically spent the rest of my dole, borrowed money on my uncle and my brother, and the last five euro when the bus was 250 in and out of town, of my mother. She was just happy I was leaving my box room. <laughs> and I went in and I just, I, I got into this class and I, I nearly killed another actor in the class by taking things too seriously. And, and, uh, and then I had to run out of the class and I got chased down the street by the teacher who said, John, please stop. And I said, you're not gonna ring the guards, are you? She said, no, you're fucking crazy. I said, I know. She said, but I like it. I like, oh, you do? Yeah, can you come back? But please don't touch my students ever again. And I said, okay. And then I went back and it was just like a life jacket. And I just got obsessed. I literally Googled how to become a better actor that night. And it was like, learn your lines. And they gave me like a 10 minute scene where you have 12 weeks to learn by the end of the course. And I learned it by six o'clock the next morning. I didn't sleep because I was obsessed. So, John, you're actually uh, running your own acting school at the moment. You're doing your own acting classes. Yeah. Uh, have you got any tips for acting? Well, the key to acting is relaxation. Even if you're playing nerves, even if you're playing uh, tense, you have to be relaxed. And for me, um, fun. Because no matter what, like, the darkness comes through, and with me particularly, trauma, all that comes through on the screen. I don't have to force that stuff. But what I need to do is get to a place of the imaginary, which is where we all go as kids that we lose. And especially now, kids nowadays with TikTok and Instagram, they're actually damaging their imagination, which is a real shame because what they're doing is our, our next generation of artists are going to be different and deformed because the imaginary is what you want to hold on to. And for the last five weeks, I've been doing classes with kids all around Ireland, traveler kids. And you're seeing them when I tell them all, put away the phones and bring them out. And when you get them out of the comfort zone, you get them back into the imaginary, they slip into it so easy. And kids are great actors, naturally, because they believe it straight away, you know? And as an actor, no matter what age you get to, you try to hold on to that imaginary. And another thing, just performance in general, what I give a tip to anybody, I just learned this the hard way, was whenever you're nervous and you're about to perform, slow everything down. Do it half the speed as you would normally do it. Slow it down, listen to your breaths, literally meditate, close your eyes, open them, and just chill. And just know you're in no rush, ever. Everybody in Heathers went... Mark, you were going to sign John up for Hell Week. Yeah. So, so Johnny was supposed to fight me and he bottled it, right? But then I texted him and I said, Johnny, listen, why don't you go on the show and use it as your training to get in shape, you know? I ain't going to no fucking Hell Week. Nah, nah, he bottled it. I still bottled it. He, he bottled that as well. He bottled me, he bottled Hell Week. Listen, I'm an old traveller, right? We don't have to be fit. I, I, you know, how many car parks I've fought in. Here, here, no, here's a true story, and this is the funniest shit ever, yeah? I got this fella on uh, Facebook years ago stalking me, right? And he was like, John, I'm your biggest fan, blah, blah, blah. And I, I texted him back and tried to, be, tried to be nice to him and all, right? But he wouldn't stop. And he was like, John, what's your address? I want to drop out, you know? And I said, address? Fuck off, right? So anyway, he kept trying to ring me. And obviously, I'm not going to answer this mad stranger who wants to come to me fucking address. Who is this cunt? So anyway, I left him alone. And obviously, one night, he got a bit gargled and resented me, of course. So he left me loads of messages, right? And me and my friend, Teddy, we were reading the messages the next day, the funniest messages ever, right? One of them was, I'll never forget it. John, if it wasn't for Love Hates, you'd still be boxing in car parks. <laughs> I swear to you, me and Teddy, I rolled off the couch. Like, this is the funniest shit. And I literally texted him back, 100% mate. <laughs> oh my God, the funniest shit. But yeah, you get mad cunts like that. And you just, you just gotta laugh it off. Like, life is full of comedians. Uh, 
Uh, John, you were talking there about uh, discrimination and stereotypes and how working class people uh, are always looked down on. But we had Huey Martin on and we asked Huey... We asked Huey what it was like for him and what some of the abuse like he gets and what people say to him. And that fella doesn't give a bollocks. There's no way you can offend that fella. But, do you know, in the last few years, everyone's become more progressive and stuff. Some stuff that we would have said growing up, now when you look back, you're like, Jesus, you actually can't say them now. What do you think about that, especially in terms of, like, towards the travelling community? Well, look, if you look at the word, say, knacker, right? I heard that at five years of age from a classmate, and I didn't know what it was, but I knew by the way she said it, it was meant to be negative, and obviously she learned it off her mother and father, like we all learn discrimination. Because it's a learned behaviour. We're all born with love in our heart, and we can be shaped anyway, evil or straight or whatever, and that's why we have psychopaths in the world and whatever. So... So what it became, I, I, went home, I went home to my mother and I said, I said, Mommy, what, what's knacker? And I knew, I knew instinctually, I couldn't verbalize it at that age, but I knew instinctually it was bad, it had a negative condemnation to it. So that was a word I would hear the lot growing up and being called, and even my teachers called me knacker and pikey. I was segregated, put in an all-traffic class, and I didn't grow up in Alabama in the 60s. You know what I mean? I, I experienced real segregation. But here's the thing. Like, working-class people get called knacker too. By upper-class people. And we're all knackers, traveller and working class. Do you know what I mean? Like, we all are knackers to them, to a Fox Rock cunt, and if there's any out there, I'm sorry. I apologise profusely. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You get the gist, though. But we are all knackbags to them. I'm right. And the thing is, for the first time... Yeah, here's a fact, right? For the first, so travellers are by a wide margin, by every academic study he's done, the most discriminated against people. It's been proven. And finally, we're talking about travel discrimination. But what we're not yet talking about and what people have to acknowledge, everybody has to acknowledge, the one thing they will never go to in this country, they will never talk about the elitists, the middle and upper classes, in the media and in the arts, is, is, is classism. They won't talk about classism because the only real privilege in this world is economic privilege. So they want to ignore the working classes in their city people, the north side and south side and all across. And the last people in this kind of woke, modern, equality-driven world we're all obsessed about X, Y and Z. The people who are being left behind are actually the working class who have faced more discrimination because of their address, because of their accent, than nearly anybody. So... So what I'm, I'm trying to do, like, including you lads, I know, I know you would have experienced a lot. And, and even getting into them, and you're becoming powerful figures in Irish media. But listen to the way you sound. When McGregor came on the scene, no matter what you think about him now, when McGregor came on the scene, there were already snakes in the grass waiting for him. They were waiting for him to make a mistake. All that upper class establishment were waiting. Now, I know he did things that we don't approve of, but they were waiting to say, I told you so, you knacker. They were waiting. And, I, and so, for me, I want to see, I want to see travellers and working class and all of us at the so-called bottom, right, to unite, because that's what's going to terrify them. We need a revolution! Can I, can I get enough to run? Is he running yeah. for election or something? No, I would never. I have too many skeletons can, in my closet. Can I, can I read you more? Can I do my read? Even though I've exposed all my own skeletons, they just keep bringing them can up. Can I read you my interview? Because this is so much better. Yeah. <laughs> I know. I listened. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm just ruthless. I will do anything for a laugh. Just out of a curiosity point of view here, is there anyone in the crowd that wouldn't consider themselves working class? I'm Don't actually be shy, sure, like, actually kind of disappointed in that. Class, just say it. I'm actually think I think everyone's afraid to admit that. Is there anyone in the audience that's not working class? No, no one's middle class, upper class, and there. No, I'm broke. <laughs> but that would prove the whole point, then, wouldn't it? Well, yeah. I thought we were breaking down this barrier, and this podcast would have crossed that whole reason of classism. Because classism can walk both ways, Sean. You oh, can look yeah. down on people from being working class, but you can look up at people for being snobby. It's called, it's called introverted snobbery. Yeah. And unfortunately, I have it. <laughs> like, I know I, I do, I know I do. And I kind of go, I don't care, but, I, but I, I know what's wrong as well. So I have to get over that chip on my shoulder. And a lot of working class people and travellers do have that with upper class people. Who the fuck do they think they are? Fuck you, you know, or we see, we see a rugby top and we go, cunts. Yeah, but lads, lads. You know what I mean? 
I think, lads, that's why everyone loves you, because your guys are from the inner city. Yeah. And the fact is, they're like the rest of us. And you're, you're keeping it real. You're te- and we aren't. <laughs> no, we agree. We do represent the areas we come from. You are like a Cinderella story for men. You're doing fantastic and keep no, doing what you're doing. I know you get what you're saying, Mark, but what I want is us to be able to mix in any circle. Whatever it is. Not say, oh, look at them. They're from Fox Rock. Let's stay away. Yeah. Let's say, let's go over to them. To not be in an and echo break chamber. break down these barriers. Yeah, to not be in an echo chamber. Exactly. Or in our own vacuum. Yeah, yeah. Because we can do anything and mix with anybody. But there's no point saying they point fingers at us when you're pointing the finger saying that point. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, there was a niche in the market for guys that are speaking the truth and being out there like everybody, yeah. you guys have filled that niche, and these are all your supporters. So I tell you, gang of legends. I tell you, for fellas talking bollocks, they're talking some sense. Nice one, lads. Ready, lads. Big swelled head in the tail for sitting here. <laughs> We've never lived just that fifty Nick quid after hard. John, yeah. <laughs> Looking after us there. So usually when oh, we have, we have a birthday show. card here, actually. Oh, yeah, actually, who who gave him the birthday card? Who gave it? Someone over here. Can I open it? Right, we'll have a gun now, will we? Hang on, wait, 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 go easy. Don't fall out of The few quid, fella? 30 flower. Happy birthday, you absolute smoothie. Yeah. See you in the malls and after the show for some hip knocking. Yeah. Who's who signed it? Who signed it? Faze Owen, bro. What the hell is this? Look at that, no better man for the job, girls. Thank you, thank you, I love you. All right, so like I was saying, usually at a live show, we bring a guest out that everyone's familiar with that we had on the podcast. So myself and Karen sat down and said, you know what, we should get someone really good looking. And when no one got back to us, we got our next guest. Please welcome out Mr. Dylan Moran. Dylan, it's nice to see you didn't wear the check short and brown shoes. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, I think I'm gonna give up the box and start the podcast. Look at this fucking hell. How's things? How are you? Yeah, life is good, lads. Happy and healthy. Delighted to be here. Um, yeah, excited. Right, so a lot's happened since the last time you've been on the podcast, Dylan. You've uh, lovely I think teeth. the last time you were on, you just signed. The world was at your feet. What's it like now? Yeah, so la- when was I last speaking to you? I think it was about a year ago, wasn't it? Give or yeah, take. Yeah, give or take, yeah. I actually, actually remember uh, I was sitting at home and uh, it was late in the evening and I get a phone call on WhatsApp, video call. Don't know what the number is, I'm not going to answer it. Anyway, I answer it. There's this big red mush staring in the screen. <laughs> Can you hear me? I'm like, yeah, what's up? What are you doing? It's Terrence Power. I'm like, I'm watching telly, bro. What are you doing? Oh, I have a podcast. I'm like, yeah, I know, it's good. Do you want to come on it? <laughs> Uh, yeah, I walked, didn't I? Uh, yeah, back then, lads, I had just come back from camp abroad. You know, things were going really good. And I ended up in Frank Warren's office. Absolutely living the dream. You know, been boxing all my life. Uh, hey, legend. Le- next world champion. Unbelievable. Um, anyway, you know, I'm in Frank Warren's office, living the dream. Shoot on, been told, you're going to fight this fella. You might fight Jake Paul. I'm, I'm cracked it. You know what I mean? I'm, I'm, I'm Jake buzzing. Paul. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, so then I go on the podcast with the lads and things couldn't be better. You know, I think it's finally happening for me. And then what followed after that was just a disaster, really. The last 12 months <laughs> has been just thrown in the bin, you know. I went into camp for the, the Fury and White fight. I was supposed to be on that undercard. And uh, done eight weeks, got a phone call two weeks before, said you're not on it, no reason given. And that was it, you know what I mean? And since then I've been inactive, stayed in the gym as always. And last week I got free from Frank, so I'm ready to get going again. Lovely. You said you couldn't get to our live shows because of Frank. Yeah, you know, I was waiting at a f- for a phone call since Christmas, you know, and every day waiting on a phone call, it gets stressful. The lads are like, come on, we go to Dublin, come on, we have a night out, go to the live shows. But you just don't want to leave your routine and that mindset. You're waiting to go back to camp, you know, and the call never came. I'm still waiting on it, so. <laughs> yeah. But I'm here tonight, so it doesn't make a difference. So come out, you know what you say, Dylan, stay ready so you don't have to get ready, isn't it? 
Yeah, exactly. You know, I stayed in the. You know, to be fair to me. Mad that because we love battles here the other night. Oh, what a buzz. But yeah, I stayed in the gym, Calvin, as always. And that's what's worked for me. You know, too many things have gone wrong. But I stayed in the gym, kept paying my dues, kept clocking in every day, I kept it positive, you know, and good things happen. And that's just how it works. Class. So come here, uh, we, were, we were chatting backstage when you was all come in and you was all full of life and laughing and all, and we were rattled. Do you ever get nervous before you go out doing the ring walk, Dylan? No, nah, I'm just one of the boys, you know. If you, I think if you're coming out here and you think you're someone I've an act to put on, well, then you might get nervous. I'm no different than any V sat out there, there's just a microphone in front of me. You know what I mean? So no nerves. But when you're fighting or that, no nerves? Yeah, a little bit, yeah, it keeps you sharp. You know, nerves are good, nerves keep you on your feet, they keep you, they keep you on edge. If I wasn't nervous, I'd be worried. Yeah, I do get nervous, very nervous before a fight. Oh, he do be fucking yeah. rattling walking out here. Uh, he never even had a fight, he's really always shit. Never mind him. Out <laughs> here, not fight, like a mad. Yeah. He's now ring walking the flats. <laughs> <laughs> Karen's rang me this morning and says, how are you feeling, bro? I was like, good. He's like, bollocks. <laughs> you have to do the live show, so. <laughs> the boys rang me for this one. And uh, again, a video call, didn't have the number saved. We're sitting outside the doctors. Here's the two boys in the middle of Dublin. And uh, do you want to come on the show? I thought they'd give me tickets. I'm like, of course I'll go. Yeah, I was meaning, no, do you want to come on as a guest? I'm like, yeah, definitely. That'd be good, you know what I mean? He's like, ah, bollocks, what? <laughs> anyway, we're chatting away, and here's the lads in the middle of Dublin. Fucking fresh suits and that. I'm thinking, yo, you are smashing it, aren't you? The podcast is doing you the world of good. I said, the birds are all over you. Of course, Terry Flower jumps out. They're everywhere, bro. I'm like, hey, hey. I go, Terrence, make use of it, because they're at the podcast, you're fucked. <laughs> Fucking culties, I can't stand <laughs> just... Wait, hold on. What did yeah. he say to you? He said to me, he goes, have an after saddle me. <laughs> Dylan, you were the first culture on the podcast. Yeah. Yeah. How'd you feel about that, Dylan? Yeah, proud, proud. I left it, I left... I actually was going to wear brown shoes on the crack, but Calvin mentioned said, bro, don't you do that. <laughs> yeah. Don't you do that. He texts his dad and says, no, dad, I won't need them shoes tonight. <laughs> Speaking of being up in the saddle, lads, right? We were talking yesterday, was it, Terence? We had about 50 fucking boxers on the podcast and we never asked this question. I don't know why. Is it true you say celibate in camp? I don't, anyway. <laughs> He's not being celibate tonight. <laughs> so I remember a few months ago on Twitter, like, it was a quiet day. I was like, Jesus, something must be up. I'm not getting any bleeding sick on Twitter. Next of all, Dylan Morning's calling me out. I was like, what's going on here? And he, what, you said something mad weird, Dylan, about uh, a thing you pair, uh, a pair of. What, it's a topper. A topper? What the fuck you're on about? A pair of. How's it a topper that goes on the bottom? Is this the sharpener? And all the coaches, they come out uh, and fought. It was ketchup and brown shoes everywhere. Yeah, See these buggers. <laughs> Give him a slap as well, will you, John? Nah, he might hit you. It's a fucking pair. He's not but look, now. Nah, Even Travers know that. <laughs> And we're fucking illiterate. <laughs> like, I mean, statistically, we're illiterate. Come here, you still were actually on the same card before. I'll, yeah, I'll tell you a story about that. Obviously, I'm, I'm a fan of John Connors, you know, I'm making bombs and love hate, hate, you name it. I'm a fan of John's. I went to the, the Clayton Hotel in Galway. We were doing, for the Irish Wheelchair Association, we are doing a charity fight night. And uh, obviously, I meet John in the hotel lobby. We click straight away. The buzz is good. We go to the bar. And I'm not a drinker. I don't drink. And I can't drink. Next time, I'm four or five points deep with John at the bar. And the, f the fight is on a half hour. And I'm only fighting Fabu D. My mom comes in, grabs me. And she's like, you need to get your shit together. I'm trying to sober up in the dressing room. And thank God Fabu D was useless, because I could have got bet that night. And it would have been his fault. I, I, I drank 12 Guinness before the fight <laughs> and two whiskey, yeah? Trying backstage, wondering what my fucking name is. When the fella who's fighting me is saying, please don't go hard. And I'm going, I can't even walk in a straight fucking line. Trust me. And I was like, just think back to the old days, little shoulder roll. And I was like a sniper looking for aim with one eye shut in the ring going, is that his head? Oh, yeah, that's his head. Oh, the crowd are cheering. Just keep doing that. Luckily, I was fighting a waster or I would have been literally killed. Anyway, I drank 12 more pints afterwards, and we had a good night. And this is not the glorified drink, or, or give in to any traveler stereotype. 
It just means I had fun. <laughs> it was fucking COVID, man. Look, we have a little surprise for you, yeah? Please welcome to the stage, Mr. Curlon Morin. Jump around when you're feeling a pain. Bring you on and win the party. Want you to know someone's money ready. When they're not a party, I'm feeling sexy. What if I don't know them not all see? I'm trying to shout that you don't be sexy. Run them up in a magic bandana. Sit up on the rhythm, sit up on the bargana. I think my name though has been a question. Wanna get nervous, I've been in this. Curlon. What's happening? How's things since you were on the podcast? Good, good. The, uh, the reception from it was fucking unbelievable, unbelievable. And uh, you're doing something special here, so thanks a lot for everything. No Thank problem, you. Appreciate you. We appreciate you coming on. We appreciate you coming here today. None of you had to be here. So, fair balls to all you. So, come here, what are you going to sing for us, Kurt? I'm going to play uh, just a little spoken word piece into another song that I played on the podcast. It was a bit sore. My voice was a bit sore on the podcast, so we said we'll do it again and give it a go, yeah? Believe me once I tell you, it's not the bogeys on the streets To be nervous or to be scared of, cause they're being fair like you and me It's the rich in Copeland suits, who make thousands every year Well they make the riches richer, so those with less will just disappear They'll have campaigns in your area, and they'll promise the moon and stars But that's only so the fortunes can still be washed with dirty hands Well they say criminals sell drugs but at least they don't sell dreams. And it's us who buy their bullshit instead of expressing just how we feel. These are the tales of those who probably didn't have it all. A holiday in June and sunshine house and like tracksuits full of holes. But I promise we were happier. Although the shops we shop are cheap. From JFK is to Hector Gray's and your neighbor who robbed your me. But take these as only stories. There'll be points where you will relate. These are my days of glory and for the souls of council estates. Song, uh, this is a song I played on the podcast. It's a song about domestic violence, and uh, I wrote it. Uh, I wrote it, one of the four songs I wrote, and I wanted to redo it because I was a bit sick just before I went on to the podcast. So uh, this is a song called Mother. And uh, if you have friends or you have family or whoever it may be, and you think it's okay to put your hands on any woman or do anything like that, you're a coward. So put your. front of everyone He would make you say there was nothing going on He would beat you up and down when there was nobody to help you from the ground when you were down He would say go get your father or your brothers By the time they came Nowhere to be found How dare you put your hands on my mother You're a man, no man's land So mother, just stop your crying for one more day I'll say my prayers and it'll go away so mother, just stop your crying for one more day I'll say my prayers and it'll go away He would make you hide your scars with your makeup As the tears would fall, we would see you start to bruise I'm fucking terrified As he hit you in the arms to make you okay You'd see their curtains close before he's done. 
And he made statements lies And he told all of the papers He done nothing wrong And you were number one So mother, just stop your crying for one more day I'll say my prayers and it'll go away So mother, just stop your crying for one more day I'll say my prayers and it'll go away Mother, just stop your crying for one more day I'll say my prayers and it'll go away Oh, mother, just stop your crying for one more day Thank you very much, cheers Something you want to tell the crowd, Bernard? So, uh, I've been, uh, I've been doing this the last couple of years, and the music that I'm doing, unless you're, unless you're licking someone's arse or unless you're dressing different to fucking impress other people, you don't go anywhere. So we're doing like, the way the lads are doing it, Vicar Streets and things like that. This is unbelievable to see these boys doing it from where we're from. On the 18th of November, we just announced today I'm playing the Academy Two uh, down in Abbey Street. I'll be going to. Uh, Take a mask around it, the usual outlets, uh, you'll see uh, Instagram and all that shit, so yeah, cheers, thanks very much for everything, thank you. One more song? Yeah, so Dylan, uh, Kera, Dylan, are you cousins? Dylan and Kera are no? So, uh, Kera... I wish we fucking looked like him. <laughs> <laughs> What's your favourite song to cover, Kera? The song uh, I'm going to cover is... Uh, an Irish song. I don't usually do covers, I do a lot of original stuff. But uh, everyone in the room, this is the last song. Stand up on your feet and join us with this, and we'll have one together.
the female prison There are 75 women And among them I wish I, I wish I did well I Hey, Hypnoka. Hey,